0: Turning your Bible to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. We're starting a new series here, and really today we just want to introduce the book of Proverbs. Let me read Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction... To discern the sayings of the, of understanding. I stop there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the privilege of being able to meet together and open your word and look at these principles that, uh, weigh so much on our lives. Um, and Lord, may we be, may we be ever conscious of It's effect on our life, this word and how it, uh, it it must come to bear on us and change the way we live, change the way we think, change our attitudes. Lord, may we recognize it for what it is, truly the word of God. Lord, we pray that for clarity today, pray for understanding, um, pray that you would be glorified and honored with the way we live. Once we leave here today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, wisdom is uh, the topic of this book. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom, that's the main focus. And wisdom can be seen, it's something that, that you see tangibly. You can see wisdom. And we, one has said, uh, one commentary said, and I, I love this this is wisdom leaves its fingerprint on everything it touches, you can see it. Um, and we definitely see it in creation don 't we We see god 's fingerprint on everything that he has made. We see his wisdom from the the spinning of the galaxies and or the 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 planets and and all of the galaxies in space and we see uh, just the wisdom of God in that all the way down to his creation of just a, a fly in fact on the fly the wing of a fly you you look at that and you see wisdom you see now the world's going to call it intelligent design but we know this is god's wisdom this is god's fingerprint and god gets the glory psalm 19 david points this out to that he gets the glory this is his creation and it just screams out it cries out that this is this is God's wisdom on display. And we can see it in, even in the things that man creates. God has given us that ability to be able to create that reflects His glory. And the things that man create, you, you can see wisdom in that, in artwork. You can see wisdom in the engineering of a building. You can see wisdom in a timepiece, a clock. You see wisdom displayed. Even when I was dealing with the legislator in Pennsylvania. You could see wisdom in the legislation. You could pick up a law and you can read through that. Some laws were just terrible laws. Just the way they're written. Just the, the, the law themselves was not, not very good. You can see wisdom in that. And you can see wisdom in life. In the way people live their life. The way they raised their children. You could see wisdom in their marriage. You can see it. We uh, we were noting just this week, yesterday, Ruthie and I were talking, observing the funeral with Barbara Bush. And they had a a marriage that was really special. It was really unique. And and you could see the wisdom that was in that marriage. Just some of the things that they did, the way they related to one another. There was real wisdom there. Now, this book of Proverbs claims to be able to make the simple person wise. It can move us into wisdom to make us wise people. Now, that's incredible to me. That's a big claim. That's a big claim. And, and what qualifies this book to be able to do that? How do, we, how do we know that that's going to happen? I want you to look at uh, five different things. You can see them on the board. It might be small print. But it's, I'll just move through these quickly. Number one, just the genre of this literature. This is, this is wisdom literature. If you take your Bible and turn to Job chapter 1, and just put your finger in Job chapter 1, and then turn back to Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon, and that would be chapter 8. That whole section here is wisdom literature and it's by design those who compiled these uh, this old testament they put the the law moses history and then they put right in the middle wisdom literature then it goes from job all the way to the song of solomon wisdom literature and then you have the prophets major minor prophets and it's it's in this section of wisdom literature to be able to to bring someone toward wisdom also look at the text Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. Look at the the author's uh, qualifications here, the the author's credentials. First of all, he is the son of David. Son of David. Now David, this was David, he is the most prominent king in Israel. He was the one who faced Goliath as a young man, had faith in God to be able to, to preserve his life at that time. He is the one that was said he was a man after God's own heart. Now, that's that's man's commentary on David, not God's commentary on David, by the way. But he was a man after God's own heart. But he was still a man. But he was a godly man. He sought after God. But it was also the same David that had an affair with Bathsheba. And had Bathsheba's husband killed. And Solomon... Solomon was the child of that union of David and Bathsheba. The Lord gave David forty years to rule, and the Lord gave Solomon forty years to rule. God blessed David; he was a godly father for Solomon. But that, but that was a that's a big thing that qualifies him to write a book on on wisdom. But also, he uh, he was the king of Israel. It says the king of his Solomon, the king. Son of David, king of Israel. This is God's people. God had chosen this people to bring them out of Egypt. He had chosen them. This, his hand was on them to bless the nations of all the world. And this was God's people. It was his rules and laws that were going to govern that land. His hand was on them. They were from the seed of Abraham, God's chosen person. Uh, Abraham walked by faith. These people were chosen so that God could come and live among them. They were to be a holy people, separate from all the other people, so that God could come and live among them. And that's exactly what happened. That This means that, that God's reputation is at stake here. And he is the king of this people, Solomon is but Solomon even in that was unique he had a unique circumstances and I want you to turn over to 1st Kings chapter 3 1st Kings chapter 3 this is the passage that was read for us earlier because Solomon was in the situation he was God gave him some choice he gave him a choice he said ask whatever you want ask whatever you want from me and I, I will grant it to you and and you know the story Here's Solomon's prayer. First Kings chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 6. Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according to, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne and it is this day now what you see is solomon knows the circumstances of his life he's realizing what's going on here this is a blessing toward david and and he is just a means of that blessing that god has for david and he is the one he is the one now on the throne and and he is a son he is a, a really a child he goes on verse 7 now O lord he understands the situation now, O oh Lord, you see, you hear the pleading of his tone here. You have made your servant, and he's talking about himself, king in place of my father, David. How do you follow up a godly man like David? I mean, how do you, how do you rule in David's place? I mean, he understands. He says, he says yet I am but a child now he knows he's not just a little child. This is figure of speech. But he says, look, as far as uh, the, all of the people that can do this, I, I'm the least. I'm just a child. He says, I do not know how to, to go out and come in. I don't know all the rules of being a king. I don't know those things. We might say, I, I don't know my right hand from my left hand. And he's saying these things so that he's pleading with the Lord. These are in unusual circumstances. And he's laying out his case for wisdom. Why he needs wisdom. Verse 8. Your servant is in the midst. Not only that. I'm young. And I'm following up my father David. This godly man. How do I fill his shoes? Not only that. He says, I'm a servant in the midst of your people. This is your people. You chose them. A great people. And what made them great were the laws that God had given them to obey by. And um, who are too many to number and count. So here's his plea, verse 9. So give your servant an understanding heart. Give me understanding. An understanding heart to judge your people. I want to do a good job in judging and understanding what needs to happen when these cases come before me. Judging your people. To discern between good and evil. Give me that ability to discern between good and evil. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't know. For who Who is able to judge this great people of yours? Wow. Folks, if there's ever a day that we need to cry out to God for wisdom, it is these days. We live in a complex society. We live in a a very difficult society. And and we need to, like Solomon, cry out, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us a discerning heart. Give us the ability to judge. Sometimes it's hard to know between good and evil. Help us to know these things. And he cries out. He cries out to the Lord for these, these things. I believe his cry was sincere. I believe it was a humble cry. And I believe it was a cry of faith. of faith. And we need that same cry today. And the Lord answered his prayer. Look over at chapter four, First Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. It says this, Now God gave Solomon wisdom. He, he answered Solomon's cry. He answered his plea. On very great discernment and breadth of mind. Like the sands that are on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, all men that uh, than Ethan, uh, the Ezerite, and Heman, and Kokol, and Dorb, Dorda, the son of Mahol. And his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke three thousand proverbs and sang, uh, and his songs were a thousand five. Verse thirty-four, he says, "Men came from all people to hear his wisdom. Of those, here's the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. The Lord granted his plea." So why should we look at this book of, of Proverbs? Because God, God had his man there on the throne serving his people. And this man asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. Now that's special circumstances. Special circumstances. Also I want you to notice this is Solomon's collection. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1. Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon. Now, the Proverbs, we'll look at this in a minute, just pithy little statements. These little statements of wisdom. These are a collection of Solomon's, of, uh, uh, Solomon's Proverbs. That was his method. We'll look at the method just a, a little bit. But there was all kinds of Proverbs back in Solomon's day. There was all kinds of wise men. Pithy little statements that these wise men had written down and, and had collected. But these were collected by Solomon. And they would have been about 3,000 years ago. Uh, you say, "Well, we're reading a book. three 000, We're going to get wisdom from a book that's 3,000 years old? And some would think that we're crazy. But these are Solomon's collection of pithy little statements. Some, we found, are even copied over from other places. Maybe uh, the king of Egypt or some of these Mesopotamian kings had collected these. And some of them had carried over. But these are the ones that Solomon had collected. These are not just a haphazard collection of Proverbs. But these are God-centered Proverbs. These are the ones that God wanted in him in in this book. These are the ones that that God had ordained to be here. These are so this is a special collection from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He collected these things, put them in a book. Hezekiah found some later 200 about 240 years later and he added to them chapter 25 of Proverbs, you'll see that. He added to those collections again more uh, Solomon, uh, more of Solomon's proverbs, but look at his method. There's one other reason we should look at this book, just because of the method. This is a good method to to learn wisdom, and it's it's he's done this by proverbs. Th- this is the tool by which we are to learn. The word proverb means to compare in general, but specifically it means to put side by side, put side by side, and for the purpose of comparing and it's it's you've done those uh, puzzle pictures that you put two pictures side by side, but there's slight differences in each of the pictures. And you're supposed to uh, circle the, the slight differences. And, and I, I like those. I like because it causes you to see, compare and contrast the different ones. Then that's the idea to to put something simple beside something complex so you can see the similarities. It causes you to think it causes you to mature and understand it moves you from the simple to the complex it moves you from many times from the, the physical to the spiritual elements of life and that's what you that's what you see it's a learning tool solomon collected these things so just in summary why should we listen to this book because solomon the wisest man who ever lived from a, a godly father the king of a godly people, from God's people, he asked for wisdom and got it. He got it, so he's qualified. He's qualified, so we should listen to this book. And Proverbs is it is the only authorized textbook from God. The only one that God says this is this is my word. So you, all of the thousands of Proverbs that were written, these are a collection. God says, these are the ones that I sanction. And one commentary said, I, I like what he said. He says, doubtless if the world were governed by the whole wisdom of this single book, it would be a new world, a world wherein dwells righteousness. That would be it. That's a good summation of the book of Proverbs. If the world were governed by Proverbs, it would be a completely different world. It's a, it's a book of, essentially, of wisdom showing us righteousness, which we've been talking about, holiness, remember? That, those things that make us unique unto God, those things that make us uh, distinct, and we take on God's distinction. But as great as this book is, it's merely a shadow of what is to come. Now you need to understand this. Christ is the epitome of the book of Proverbs. Christ lived out Proverbs. Proverbs is the foundation by which they, they, they thought and they framed up their life. And Christ lived that out. He was the fulfillment of, essentially, the wisdom of God. In fact, that's what Paul says. He calls them the very wisdom of God. So it's really fulfilled in the person of Christ. And so really, the book of Proverbs is just a shadow of what is to come. But it helps us to, to kind of narrow down and make specific on, on exactly what was Christ like. And, and how we are to live our life and how we are to structure our lives. And so even if it lives up to half of the claims that it claims, folks, we should note this book. It would be foolish for us to to not look at this book. This is an important book. Now let me ask some questions. What difference does Proverbs make? What difference does wisdom make? Is there a difference between living under God's wisdom and living under God's laws? Is there a difference between uh, these these things and how, how what kind of difference is go, is Proverbs going to make in our life and, and I would say all the difference in the world. Let me make some observations. We'll make three observations and uh, then make some applications as well of these things. Okay, first of all, wisdom comes from outside of us, not inside. I know that it's not that profound. And I, it's not that profound until you think about it. But so often we think that I'm just gonna sit and I'm gonna contemplate life and wisdom's just gonna flow right out of me. Or he's a, a wise man. He just, wisdom just flows out of him. But no. Christ said that it's what comes out of the man that defiles the man. The inside of the man is, is not right. Solomon was no dummy, but, but he had to ask God for wisdom. And God had to give that wisdom to him. We don't have wisdom in and of ourselves. We need wisdom. Our minds are corrupt. We could take in information and we distort them in certain ways to fit our own biases and and We have problems when it comes to making wise choices sometimes we fall short of those things. We have blind spots, like in a car you you drive down the road and you have these mirrors, but even those mirrors sometimes are not good enough. You have blind spots you have to turn around and you have to look Now we can make good observations. And even Solomon tells us to gather people around us so that they can cover our blind spots. Let me show you a a couple passages. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, he says, There is no guidance for the people, where there is no guidance for the people or the people fail. But in the abundance of counselors, there is victory or there is wisdom. And the idea is that we gather people around us So that we can have, well, in the case here, before we go to war, we gather our counselors around us so that we can see any blind spots that we may have. We know, we know that. Inherently, we know that we have blind spots. We know that wisdom is outside ourselves. But some, sometimes, not just sometimes, a lot of the times, our arrogant pride rises up and we think we know it all. We don't need to ask for anyone else. We don't need anyone else's help. And Solomon says, that's just, that's foolish. And even a king knows that. You gather the people around you to, to fill in your blind spots. But we need to understand that wisdom is not from in us, it is outside of us. That calls us to a life of faith. It's a life of faith. I'll show you another passage. You, you know the passage well Proverbs 3 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, leaning not on your own understanding—that's the principle. There's two elements there, and I want to emphasize: not leaning on your own understanding. We don't live by sight; we live by faith, and there's a big difference. There's a big difference there. We live—we live by faith. When I was growing up, I. I Lived in a Christian home. I went to Sunday school pretty much every Sunday for all my life. I went to a Christian school, high school. I went to Bible college. And I I went to seminary. Now you think, that guy should know the Bible, right? You could think that. But I have to check myself all the time. I have a, a room full of books just to check myself. Because these things are important and I know I have blind spots and I know I have to depend upon the wisdom of other people that have written books even from the past. And I get those books. Why? Because I don't live by, by sight. I can come up with just quick answers maybe, but I need to think through life and I need to get wisdom outside myself and I need help. I need the counsel of other people and I, then I live by then I live by sight and not by faith. And it's like this. Let me see if I can give you a comparison. In, in an airplane, I've never flown an airplane. There's an instrument panel. You've seen those things. And you've seen the very basic planes with just a small little instrument panel. Or you've seen those massive planes with the huge instrument panel. There's so many buttons. Man, don't you want to just get in there and push all the buttons? And, and maybe it's just me. I mean, that just looks like so much fun. The thing is, those those planes with the, just a the small instrument panel, you've got a lot of vision outside. You can see out of the plane pretty easily. When you get in those big planes, they just have these little tiny windows. Man, come on, I want to see. But they, they don't want you to see outside. They want you looking at the instrument panels, right? Because they want you to trust in the instruments. And that's what we're doing here. We live by faith. We're trusting the instrument panel, not by sight. I think when we live by sight, it causes us anxiety. It causes us worry. We just need to step back and we need to look at the instrument panel here and say, Okay, God, I, I see the circumstances around my life. I see what's going on. But look, I'm going to just focus on what you say I'm going to take this principle and I'm going to apply this to the circumstances. I'm just going to keep going methodically, moving through my life. And that's the the way our lives are to be lived, by looking at the the instrument panel. And I believe the book of Proverbs is that big instrument panel. And we we maybe are afraid of the the buttons, but it's huge. There's all kinds of, of things that we can get and... Uh, and tools that we can use for for our lives to to keep us from the anxiety and the worry of what we see around us anyway let's let's move on number two so the, the principle just to sum up we have wisdom wisdom is outside of us not within us we need to get get used to that notion that we live by faith we live by faith Wisdom is outside us, not within us. We don't don't trust in our own understanding. Number two is wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. I know. You say, Carl, are we back in Sunday school and just coloring? This is so simple. It is. It is. But it's so true. And, and sometimes life just comes down to the simple little problems of not trusting in God. And, and I think that's what we do. We think li- sometimes li- uh, wisdom is from in us. And then once we say, okay, wisdom's uh, outside of us. So we, we go after wisdom, but we don't go th- to the right wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. James chapter one, James chapter one, verse three. He tells us if we lack wisdom, let him ask, let us ask from God and he will give us wisdom. We recognize wisdom is outside us. We have to recognize that all wisdom comes from God. You say, how do you know it's from God? Chapter 3, verse 17 says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure. There's no mingling of, of bad wisdom and good wisdom with God's wisdom. It's all good. It's all pure. You You see that wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom that comes from above. That's the wisdom that we are going to find in the book of Proverbs. That's the wisdom that we are to live by. And that's the wisdom that we're going to get when we ask God. So often, God has given us wisdom, we just don't tap into it. You know, this is a hard day for people living by wisdom. Someone said this wisdom comes not from education, observation, or or philosophizing, or introspection, but by recognizing and submitting to the sovereignty of God in every area of life. Submitting to the sovereignty of God in every area. that's, That's wisdom. Wisdom must be in God. We trust in God. Wisdom comes from God. That means then, just by way of application, that we adjust our thinking to His. That we adjust our thinking to His. We live in a, an individualistic age. An age of, I know best, I know what's best for me. It's an age of diversity. Essentially, it's an age of relativism. And I thought this was interesting. I thought, I'm going to look up the definition of relativism. This is a definition. Relativism. This is the age at which we live. Relativism is the doctrine of, the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, and historical Context. That means that's we get our our truth, our morality, our knowledge from our culture or our society or our uh, the, the age in which we live. It's all relative to when we live, essentially in our culture. And let me tell you, they're trying to take away our culture as well. But that's the idea. He goes on to say, everything is relative to. A particular framework or standpoint, it, it all depends upon your standpoint, right? And we can understand to that. And there's a little kernel of truth in here in that, but our standpoint, or the standpoint of a believer, is from God's standpoint. We understand that He is the one that interprets life. He is the one that tells us truth. He is the one who tells us what morality is. He is the one that tells us the way our society is to to function. And it's not all relative. It's not all relative. He puts it in a fixed form to makes it. He makes it uh, concrete. This is truth. It's not relative. Meaning. Let me add to that. This is by which we will be judged. This is what he holds us accountable to, this particular wisdom, from his perspective. He's the one that determines truth. He's the one that frames up the argument. His view trumps all the other views. He defines our world. And we're going to be judged by that God. And we can play all of these, or let the world play all of these relativistic games that they want. But when it comes down to it, this is truth and we will be judged by this truth and by one God. And that's the bottom line. And wisdom comes from Him. It's not in ourselves. Number two, it comes from God. So we have faith in God. And then number three, let me give you this in the next three minutes. Wisdom makes a difference. You see, what difference does wisdom make? Wisdom, wisdom makes a difference. There's a benchmark, I believe, that we're seeing in our day that maybe hasn't seen in the past. And that benchmark is that we we want a minimalistic Christianity. you just got to follow me for a little bit here. A minimalistic Christianity. Bringing Christianity down to the bare minimum. What do I have to do in order to get to heaven? I don't really want to please God. I just want to get to heaven. It's a minimalistic kind of Christianity. And let me tell you, it's shallow and I don't believe it's it's orthodox at all. They just want to get to heaven. They don't want to live for God. They don't want to deny self. They don't want to give up anything. They don't want to sacrifice their life at all. They don't really care, again, about pleasing God. They just, again, they just want to get to heaven. And here's the difference. This is the Christianity that I'm seeing today. They're they're concerned about the law. What do I have to do? Pastor, just just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Don't make me think about anything. Don't make me live by wisdom. Just tell me what to do. That's the idea. But here's here's the difference. Law tells us don't kill. Don't kill your neighbor, right? don't uh, don 't covet your neighbor 's wife don 't steal your neighbor 's car but the book of proverbs in wisdom teaches us not just don 't kill your neighbor but how do you love your neighbor as yourself there 's a world of difference there it 's a big difference we have a christianity that 's that 's moral they 're not killing they 're not stealing but yet are they loving their Neighbors themselves? Do they love God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength? No. It's a difference between this minimalistic kind of law abiding. I'm doing enough to get in and living by wisdom of God. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. That difference makes a clear distinction for the world for us. When we are living by wisdom, God's wisdom, we are more distinct, more holy unto God then, if we were just living under the law, when we're loving our neighbor as ourself. And this wisdom is it teaches us the skill of living life. It helps us to understand and know how to become a, a good employee, how to manage our money, how important family is, the danger of laziness. the irritation of talking too much i read that yeah is talking a, a sin no is talking too much a sin mm, you can cross the line it's a matter of wisdom god has called us to to this wisdom and we live in a minimalistic here's the bottom line be careful don't trust the christianity of our day It is a Christianity that would love to get rid of the the wisdom and just minimalistically live the Christian life. Just do the minimum to get in. We have to be very careful. When we have the skill of living life right here, the wisdom, the tools to live life, you say, with those tools, what can I do? The number one reason for missionaries leaving the field is because because they don't get along. They don't have the skill of, of living with other people, they're hard to get along with. The book of Proverbs will help with that. Marriages t- tearing apart, primarily, they say, because of, of finances. Number one reason for people getting divorced. It used to be, I think it still is. You know what? Proverbs gives us that answer. It, it gives us that, that wisdom. Children being influenced. The the health of all relationships can benefit from reading the book of Proverbs. It becomes a guide that that establishes this grid, this grid, for the rest of our life. We can judge everything else by it. Now the question is, is, can you see God's fingerprint of wisdom on your life? Or better question, can the world see God's wisdom in your life? Can they look and say, wow, just the way you're living is attractive to me. I want that. I want that. Let me ask you. Will you commit yourself? We're going to be studying this book of Proverbs. Will you commit yourself to studying this book of Proverbs as we go through it? You say, oh, you're just going to heap on us a bunch of laws. No, it's not law. It's just a way in which we can please God. God. And I believe that that's what the true believer wants—to please God and not just not just get into heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for these people. I thank you for their love for the Word, for their submitting themselves to this Word. Word, what a joy it is in my own heart when I see that. Lord, we live in a in a Christianity. Christian, quasi-Christian world today that sees us as legalistic once we pull out any kind of law or any kind of rules for our life. Lord, may we never see it that way. Lord, You've called us to a higher plane of living. You've called us to live wisely. Not just minimalistically. You've called us to be distinct from the world. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to implement the things that we're going to learn from this book of Proverbs. Help us to implement them into our lives. Help us to realize, recognize that in and of ourselves there is no wisdom. All wisdom comes from you. We need to cry out and ask for that wisdom. And then we need to live by faith and not by sight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.